Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Joining us now for Media Watch is uh, Hamish Bidwell. G'day, Hamish. How you doing? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Oh, yeah, not too bad. I'm not choking to death, as I almost did at the start of the show, but that's all right. Through that now. Through that now. So that's that's good. How was uh, how was the weekend sport watching, mate? What was the highlight for you? Oh, uh, gee, I didn't... Well, look, I didn't really push the boat out too far as far as sports watching was concerned. I saw bits and pieces of things, but but I couldn't say that I had a highlight, no. no. Maybe that's my personality. Should I be more enthusiastic about things? <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say you were the highlight of the weekend. I had a couple of birdies at Hastings on Sunday. Yeah, that's good. We teed off at about quarter to nine, having been up till nearly three, so it was... Yeah, it was it was a day of uh, mental toughness. Yeah, very much so. What was the occasion? Nothing. Saturday. Oh, the Black Cats were playing on TV1. <laughs> we were just uh, overjoyed that we all just had a big event. Fair enough. Fair enough. Free to wear sports coverage. I mean, it's a, it's a huck, huck. It takes you back to a bygone era. It does indeed. It does. How many? Uh, what, what are you playing off, by the way? You've got a couple of birdies. You must be uh, getting that handicap down. Are you single figures yet? <laughs> No, it was a bit of junk. I actually thought I was all right at golf, but then I, um, my son's quite good, and his coach um, encouraged me to have a lesson, and I saw myself on video, and I was like, oh, yeah, that well, explains everything. So um, <laughs> I'm just battling away on 16, and uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy beer, I enjoy walk, and uh, and that, that's enough for me. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I did. I actually, it, it is a thing. My, um, my uncle is a former pro and uh, pretty handy. And he, uh, you know, I, I took up golf and, and then he would give me lessons and I found I got worse after lessons. I think I was just thinking about too many things. <laughs> I had two uncles who were pros as well, one of whom toured for a bit and he, in the 1970s, was leading a tournament in Queensland and he was partnered in the last round with Greg Norman. Wow. And, yeah, so many years before Norman succumbed to Faldo, my uncle succumbed to Norman, he shot 76, the shark had 67, my uncle was never heard of again and the shark went on to become the most divisive name in world golf Indeed he did, indeed he did What, what, are you, what did you make of, I know you said you were, you were watching the Black Caps uh, What have you made of the Black Caps of late? I've, I kind of feel like and, and I know they went alright today but I feel like uh, particularly Kane Williamson might be going the way of Aaron Finch I don't know if the white ball game really suits him especially the way it's developed yeah, and I know he makes his living from it, and he's obviously highly regarded at Sunrise and Hyderabad, and there's plenty of money in it. But uh, purely from a selfish point of view, I'd like to see him give white ball cricket away and just, and just concentrate on test cricket, give us five more years, be it as captain or as our leading batsman, and just sort of do what Taylor did. I mean, the, the, the IPL offers and the CPL offers, they sort of dried up for Taylor, and he did become a test specialist, whether by 
choice or not. But I think that would be the route for Williamson. Um, but that's selfish of me. I, I don't think he necessarily holds his place or merits his place in New Zealand's best white ball teams at the moment, or he shouldn't. That's the caveat, because they're really light on batting, aren't they? Mm. I mean, they're terribly light on batting. So, And the way the order's constructed, so much relies upon him scoring the bulk of the runs, and when he does it, they're left badly exposed, aren't they? Yeah, they are, although that said, he's been pretty horribly out of form for a while. Uh, since he came back from that, that yeah. elbow injury, he hasn't quite been the same player, has he? No, but they haven't fired a shot either, whether it's test cricket, ODI cricket or T20 cricket. Yes, I know they won well today, but there's a bit of a fluke element to that. You know, there's, Finn Allen's going to come off, and another day he's not. Today he came off, and that's great, and, and they won. Conway's fairly dependable, although I, I wonder, you know, the way he's searching to try and hit the ball in this form of cricket, what, what price he'll play in the test arena, but he may not be concerned. I'm I'm... I'm really old school as far as cricket's concerned. I, I find white ball cricket largely junk. Uh, I, I I love test cricket, and I, you know, if guys aren't interested in that anymore, it doesn't motivate them the way it did generations ago. That's a shame. But I I would respect them if that was their point of view because it would be understandable. Yeah, well, I almost think, and I don't know anything, so you know, and I haven't talked to him about it or anything. I haven't heard anybody tell me on the DL anything, but. It feels like after you know, after we got pants by Pakistan, and even when we got beaten by Aussie recently, he didn't feel it didn't feel like he really was that bothered. Kane, um, about, no, no, it, it kind of no, feels like he might have lost his joy for the game. Very, yes, the Australian series there was there was clear evidence of that. They they were roundly outplayed on surfaces that should have suited them because they were they were hard to beat on New Zealand. You know there were there will be teams at this tournament post two hundred. Uh, and maybe even win chasing 200 at the, at the T20 World Cup, but New Zealand won't be one of them. We're a, we're a 165, 166 type of team. We like uh, difficult conditions. We like we don't like run rate pressure, and we didn't have run rate pressure in that 50 over series against Australia. We were on difficult wickets, and we still couldn't fire. So yeah, that was I thought it was hellishly disappointing, um, and out of character for that team because that's one of the things they did so well on their run to the the 2019. 50 over, 50 over World Cup final. You know, teams were scoring 400, but New Zealand was winning with 235 to 240. And so the guys in Australia recently were right up their street, and they they couldn't they couldn't perform. And Williamson seemed to just shrug his shoulders like, oh, well, that's that's cricket, I'm not too bothered. And I I found that not alarming, but surprising. Yeah, yeah, no, so did I, mate. So did I. Now the series against Bangladesh and Pakistan. I mean, you know, it's great that Christchurch is getting some live cricket um, and things, but I mean, it is nothing more than a warm up for the the World Cup. Um, how invested are you in either? Not very, and I don't know if it's a beneficial warm up in the sense that New Zealand had five guys in the eleven today who can bowl a bit of finger spin, or four guys in your bowl finger spin and Sody is the wrist spinner, and they won't all play, and they certainly won't all bowl in Australia, and if they do, they'll be cannon fodder. You know, Bracewell, great figures today, does a job for you. Is a batsman who is bowling, because his, bat, his batting is only average, um, but if you think you're going to win a T20 World Cup in Australia with that kind of pop gun attack, or, you know, an arsenal of part-time spinners, I think you're battling. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more, mate. Couldn't agree more. Uh, well, you know, you've got your Rashid Khans, your Adil Rashids. You know, the world's full of really talented wicket-taking wrist spinners, and we don't... Sodi can take wickets, but he's he's hellishly expensive, and yet to rely on Bracewell and Phillips and Santner and 
Chapman if he has a bowl. You know, these sort of blokes, I think I think we'll be struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's uh, you, you, you're not wrong there, mate. You're not wrong. Now, I, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, good to see, you know, some things never change. And one of those is those global ambassadors for fair sportsmanship and cricket, uh, the Australian cricket team. Uh, what did you make of, of Matthew Wade uh, the other day? <laughs> I watched it uh, today, actually. I uh, I was once playing in a schoolboy match for Wellington College against Onslow College, and I was by far the best batsman on the team, and I expected to get maybe a hundred. And on about eighteen or twenty, I skied one, and as the guy at cover went to catch it, I shouted out, "Drop it!" at the top of my voice, and he binned it. And uh, there was a bit of discussion about whether I should be out. I told the umpire he was a dribbler. Point. And I, you know, I had to go and see, they were called, what are they, Cricket Wellington? I had to go and see someone from the Wellington Cricket Association subsequently. But yeah, so I've, I've done some things on the pitch that I wouldn't necessarily be proud of. Uh, Wade's, it was a little lower, slightly, I mean, I, it wasn't that good, but I admired Josh Butler for just saying, oh, look, let's just flag it. We don't need any issue here, but it wasn't the best. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, let's talk rugby, mate. Uh, opening weekend of the Women's World Cup. Um, it was sold out, but apparently 6,000 people who bought tickets didn't bother showing up, um, which was, which is a bit a pity because that's kind of taken the narrative away from the actual game. Yeah, I didn't watch it, and I'm going to struggle to watch it um, for a few reasons. First of all, I don't have Spark, and I won't get Spark, and I have my reasons for that, and, and, and to some extent, I'm cutting my nose off to spite in the face. I'll, I'll miss things like the, the bulk of the Rugby League World Cup. I haven't seen much of the Black Taps when they haven't been on Sky the last couple of years, similar with the Black Ferns at this tournament, but I don't care. And one of the reasons I don't care in this instance is because I think we're being made to watch it. I think the politicisation of the tournament uh, makes my skin crawl a little bit. Um, I have watched a million games of female sport. I've covered a thousand and I've done it because I liked it. But being told that I have to like it and being told how great it is and, and if you don't like it, you're a terrible person. Like That, that turns me off. The thing with Sport New Zealand and that it's time campaign, that, that really pulled me. And you've got the chief executive of that organisation, Raylene Castle, talking about a country in a press release called Aotearoa. Now, we may become that country, but we aren't that country yet. And she should know that because she works for Sport New Zealand. And that's the name of the country and that's the name of the organisation she works for. And all these kinds of things that make sport a political rally rather than a festival of what it is, which is rugby or should be, that turns me off. And so, yeah, I'm going to have trouble watching this tournament on on that basis. Mm. It's interesting, actually. I... I, you know, I think women's sports should be given a fair shake. I don't have an issue with that and funding-wise and things, but there was a, a Bill Burr. Are you, are you familiar with Bill Burr? I know who he is, but I haven't seen him, no. I will send you a, I'll, I'll send you something to watch, Hamish, I uh, which I can't yeah. repeat well, uh, verbatim. Like you will, you will. Uh, but okay. uh, the, the, basis, <laughs> the basis of his, of his, uh, of his rant is, uh, you know, we open the car door, we pay for dinner, if uh, somebody breaks into the house, we go downstairs and, and face them. Uh, and now we have to watch the WNBA for you as well. Uh, is basically um, his. Uh, he's he's basically saying, like, you know, the, the success of women's sports should be on women watching it, not on men watching it. But it was a, it's an interesting point that he makes. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll send you that. You can have a look. Um, uh, be interested to get your take on it. Um, we should talk that All Black 15 as well. 
I was talking about it a little bit earlier, so surprised about some of the omissions. Um, and one of those was Sean Stevenson, who I thought, you know, great uh, series against the Irish for the Māori All Blacks. Had, had a very good NPC season, had a great super rugby season. Obviously been in the news because he's been over in Redcliffe visiting Wayne Bennett. Um, seems New Zealand rugby are either offended by that or weren't bothered in the first place because he hasn't been selected at all. It's funny, so what I have watched some of in recent weeks in quite a lot of detail is, is the NPC, and when I turn it on, I think we're back in lockdown because there's no one there, and even that's when they've herded them into a place where the camera can can focus on them, and they're still not there, and that that's, to me, the untold or underappreciated rugby story of, of the moment. I, I, I honestly just think what we've done for that competition and the irrelevance that we've created is, is so damning. And then you see this New Zealand 15 and see it income. You know, there's there's some former All Blacks, there's some fringe All Blacks. I'd like to see a Safu Amor in the actual All Blacks rather than the All Blacks 15, but that's by the by. But like, I mean, you look at that lineup and the squad that's going away and you think, is this the best we have? Are we at this low ebb in our in our rugby, and, and uh, we've got this product and saturation coverage over weekends with no one there. Like, it's not what I grew up with at Athletic Park watching Bernie Fraser and Stu Wilson and Murray Mixer. Like, it's, it actually makes me sad. And I don't know if people, I think people have got to the point where they don't care, but I care. It looks really shabby. It's not a great product, and I'm paying money to watch it, and sometimes I wonder if that money is misspent. Mm, yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, Almore. I mean, where's Kurt Eklund gone? He's good enough for the Māori All Blacks, but he's not good enough for this team. That that was another one um, that I was more than a uh, a little surprised about. And um, I've also seen um, you know a few people talking about players that they short, thought should be there. Uh, another one of those we actually had a text about earlier. What's happened to Peter Gus Suakulo? He was the form number eight in Super Rugby. Oh, he gets selected. They I play know. him for 20 minutes as a blindside flanker and decide he's not good enough. I have a variety of hobby horses, as you may have gathered, and one of my favourites is plucking a Pacific Island player and playing them once or twice and then discarding them. And that, to me, is the pit. Like that guy is a good player, but it, equally, like I was on shows such as this, or on with Ian in the mornings occasionally, and they would be saying, Peter goes so cooler. And I go, no, he's only fringe, he's not going to make the team. But there was a groundswell, wasn't there, that we must pick this guy, he's done so well. And then we pick him and we discard him. So like, I thought the picking was premature, but the discarding is a disgrace. And yeah, if that guy's not in the best 30 players in the country, I'll eat my hat. But he, he's not going to start for the All Blacks because he plays positions, you know, primarily to me, he's a number eight, and Artie's got that locked up, and that's fine. Um, but yeah, now that's. I I loathe the way we treat those guys like cattle, you know, the Fafitas of the world, even Lomate, you know what I mean? Like guys who we could play for someone else, and we bring them in, and we carry them around, and they never play, and then they go. And I. I, I I wish them well because they deserve to go and they deserve to make some money else when they deserve to be treated better because I just think, yeah, I find it poor when we pick a guy like Peter Gus and just and ditch him like that. Yeah, same, same. Um, I mean, there are a few other names in there that I'm like, well, you know what this guy can do, so why are you taking him? People like, say, TJ Pietanata, right? I get you need to have some leadership yeah, in but, the team. Yeah, but he's on, a, he's on a big whack of money and they have to try and justify that. They can't justify picking him in the All Blacks anymore, but he's on that whack of money, and so he has to go. We're but the same. Like, you're gaining nothing by taking those guys away, are you? No, well, I mean, I thought they could have taken a, you know, a Cortez Ratama alongside, say, Brad Weber 
you know, and then you've got the leadership where you've got another young player. He's not going to play much. Or, yeah. Like, mix and match. Get Pirafeta and Tuivasa Shek and, and Fakatava to go and play for the All Blacks 15 because they're doing next to nothing with the All Blacks. Like, if we're trying to expose the next tier of talent, we want to give them elite matches to play in, and we're saying that the NPC is a muck-around club competition and, you know, super, we play Aussie teams that are woeful. Let's, well, when are we going to expose these guys to a higher level of competition if we don't trust them to be in the All Blacks? Well, this would be that opportunity, would it not? Yeah, I would have thought so. I would have 100% thought so. I mean, that was another conversation we were having before the team came out, is where are they going to put these guys? Um, I'll tell you one thing that I was... Uh, I was pleased to see was that Damien McKenzie wasn't in the All Blacks um, because I, I think he's underwhelmed since he's come back from Japan. And people have said, well, you know, Bowden Barrett and TJ Perinara and other people have underwhelmed, but they came back into super rugby, uh, you know, and then got better, uh, you know, over a, a month or so. But, I mean, you look at the difference that, say, Stephen Petafeta made going into that Taranaki team when he was released to play versus the impact that Damien McKenzie's made. I think it's night and day. You can see why they've decided that uh, Peter Feder is, is now in front of Damien McKenzie. Yeah, I, I thought, and I, I said and wrote um, a year ago, that I thought McKenzie, we'd seen what there was to see of him at test level, and it wasn't going to get any better, and we might as well move on from that. Aside from the fact that he's just such a little fella, and if he's, we don't trust him at 10, he's not big enough to play 15. Like, he's talented... You know, the cheeky smile, he's got a good head of hair on him, good luck to him, but he's not a test-caliber footballer. And we, we took a long time to work that out, and and thankfully we have, and we probably won't see him in the, the best black jumper ever again. No, uh, no, we won't. All right, Hamish, good stuff, mate. Thanks for coming on. We'll let you go work on the golf swing uh, and and uh, put your feet up, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week, eh? I'll look forward to it. Thanks. Cheers, mate.